Hey, I'm Amber. And I'm Becca. And this is Forward Farming. Welcome back, guys. The Forward Farming. Hey, we did good there. We did. (laughs) I am super excited for this week's episode. We have a very special guest joining us today. Miss Alex Templeton from all the way down in Missouri. So thank you, Alex, for being here with us and joining Hi. this mess. <laughs> do you guys want to start off with our highs and lows for the week? Becca, I feel like Let's you have it. had I feel like you've had a week, Becca. Do you wanna start off with the lows? Lows. I like how you said that plurally, like you already knew. Um, it's just been one thing after another. And it like it's not even bad stuff, it's just challenging stuff I guess um no one incident comes out uh at once but I'm just I'm gonna say toddlers that's gonna be my low for the week Sophia has had such I don't even know what kind of an attitude I would call it but okay see here she is she (laughs) she's a sour patch kid like I have said can you say hi and then bye Okay. So yeah, that's my low for the week. It's been um, struggle city for parenting. That's a, that's you, a nice Amber? way to sum it up. Um, this week, our weather has been kind of all over the place. Last week, it was super cold. This week, it has been like 80 degrees. And that messes with my sinuses pretty bad. And I just discovered a neti pot. And boy, what a roller coaster is that. I mean, that's a little, little bit of an extreme. How are you like putting your news? Or your nose and you like... <laughs> yeah, it's like a little genie lamp type thing that you fill up with water and salt. And then you shove like one, like the skinny end in your nose and tilt your head and just dump water through your sinus cavity until the water rushes out the other side of your nostril. And it was just... Did it, was, it work? No, it just gave oh. me a stuffy nose. <laughs> um, but Dan was like, no, you need to try this. Like, it's going to fix everything. Like, it's this magic thing and it it was awful <laughs> that that's as bad as my week got honestly so I mean, I that's I, pretty good then yeah I'm doing pretty good Alex what about you Alex <laughs> throw oh. you in the hot seat <laughs> <laughs> I, I know I was sitting here right when you told me I needed to think of some lows I was like okay what is like what's a good low to start with um so we have this time of year is when we start the process of weaning all of our calves and we have a couple, you know, several groups of bigger groups of cattle. And then we have like small jags kind of on smaller farms spread out everywhere. So the most daunting task in weaning all these calves is going around all these smaller farms and collecting these small groups of like 20 to 25 calves. Cause it's just a pain in the butt, you know, cause you got to move portable equipment there, catch the cows and you know, whatever. So some of the, the group we weaned this week, there were some psycho cows in there. <laughs> and uh, that really brings out the best and also the worst in my dad and I when we worked together. So that was kind of a low, but uh, neither of us got hurt. So it could have been worse. That's a plus. the main thing. Yeah. <laughs> Sorting cattle with family is never, never easy. And then you throw in like psychotic cows and it's like, no. <laughs> oh yeah, that. That is the truth. I mean, there's that saying that like, you can't take anything to heart when you're working cows with people that <sighs> not be more true. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I saw the picture that you put on your stories. I don't know if it was yesterday or today. And that cow just had like the craziest, crazy eyes I've ever seen in my life. And I could just imagine you like walking around, just calling her like, oh, I can't wait till your hamburger or something. Like <laughs> just you was psycho in that one. So I work the head shoot when we're working cows. So anything that gets a tag or anything like that, I'm the one making it out and tagging them and giving shots. So if there's one that comes through I don't like, I put an identifier on her tag. Like I circle her number or whatever. And this one, number 510 with two circles around each number, she has been on my list to be sold for a couple of years now, honestly. And every time we go to that farm to do anything, she just makes it a nightmare, but she'll never come in the lot. Like we can never, we can never catch her. And so when we caught her this year, she made her presence extremely known and we caught her and I was like, dad, now's the time to get rid of this psycho cow because we've got her caught. Let's just get rid of her and be done with it. I mean, because seriously, like it's not, it's not worth it. You know, I don't care how nice of a calf she might have every year or whatever, you know, getting out and trying to tag her calf is a nightmare and it's just not worth getting hurt over it when we can just buy one. That's nice. You know? Why yeah. keep a crazy one when we can get a nice one? <laughs> yeah, so let's get to happier things. Amber, what's your high for the week? Um, my high for the week, I took a weekend off last weekend just to kind of like rest and recharge my batteries a little bit. I was, I was dragging a lot last week. We started our, our early harvest, and we're going to be starting our full harvest next week, and I just needed some time away to just chill. I took like 14 hours worth of naps on Saturday. <laughs> like I was just out. I was unconscious. And then I got up and I went to bed at nine o'clock that night and I slept until the next morning. And it was so good. Becca, I'm sorry. Like I can just, <laughs> I wish like, I could give some of that to you, but <laughs> it was much appreciated. And I feel so much better this week. And going into the rest of the season. So I'm just going to quickly segue that into Becca. What was your high for the week? Uh, my high, the weather was pretty good. That could be my high. Um, it was like in the high 70s here. It was cooler in the mornings, the high 70s. So it made it nice to get things done at the farm. I'm like behind on literally everything, but nice weather makes that okay. Alex, how about you? Do you have a high for the week? Uh, yeah, we have started harvest here. Uh, we've started cutting beans. We haven't started shelling corn yet. Um, but that also brings a whole new wave of craziness and, you know, it's way more hectic, but that's just always an exciting time of year. It's like, you know, the first signal of fall and deer season when harvest starts. So it's a pretty exciting time of year for us. Yeah. When does your deer season start down there? So it opened September 15th. So it's been open a few days, but normally the first week or so it's so hot. It's not mm -hmm. even fun to go, but it's been pretty, it's been pretty chilly here. I mean, we're getting into the fifties in the morning and then staying in the seventies all day. And that's, that's a nice change because it gets hot and humid down here in the summertime. So yeah. some cooler weather and bean harvest is a welcome change for us. Perfect. Yeah. As much as I love fall, it just goes too quick. I don't know if it goes so fast for you guys down there, but like Wisconsin Falls, you blink and you miss it. It goes from being like 70 and perfect to like 30 degrees in a matter of like a day. It's 
it's rough. (laughs) So do you guys have any goals for the upcoming week? Becca, do you have anything? My last goal didn't work out too well for me. I did, however, bring the power washer up to the house. So I'm, I'm one step closer to doing my picnic table. Um, can that be my goal for this week? My goal is to survive. That's going to be my goal. There you go. Yeah, it's a good goal. I see you've got a nice bottle of SoCo next to you. Is that helping? I will be soon. <laughs> Give it a few minutes. Do you need a melatonin and an ice pop tonight too? <laughs> Probably. Sophia took my phone and is taking pictures of herself, so that'll be fun to look at later. Um, let's let's see, Alex. Do you have any goals that you that you would like to work on for this week? Yes. Well, I mean, it's Thursday. The weeks. Well, I guess there really is no week in what right. we all. Um, but yeah, in the near future, I'd like to get the rest of our calves weaned off. We're not done yet, um, but I'd like to get that wrapped up. We need to. So it's got to happen sometime. So it might as well happen in the next few days or the next, probably, hopefully the next week. Like I, we need it to be done within the next seven days and it's going to be a lot of work, but that's our big thing now. So how long does that typically, how long is that process for you guys? Of uh, weaning? Well, that's kind of, that's kind of hard to answer because like just pulling the calves off the cow, you know, all we have to do is get all of them in <laughs> and then sort the cows from the calves. So typically that's not that bad. And it kind of depends on how, um, how big the group of cattle is that we're dealing with. Uh, but typically, you know, the weaning process, we put them in a lot and start feeding them. And, you know, within three or four days, they've pretty much quit crying for their mothers and they're, they're good. So but when we, when we pull calves off the cows, we run them through the chute and we give them all shots. So we'll give them everything they need to stay healthy. So then before we, before we actually put them in the weaning lot and then in a couple of weeks, we'll run them through and give them a booster shot of everything to make sure everyone's healthy. That's a lot. That's a lot of work. Yeah, it's, I enjoy it though. I, I love it. Well, good luck. Hopefully <laughs> that goes well. Thanks. <laughs> Yeah, I guess my biggest goal, we're still kind of getting everything ready for harvest. Um, That's a pretty big deal for us, especially, I think we're going to be running from next Wednesday all the way until the end of October, just nonstop. So just kind of rest up until then, because that's, that's a lot. Long days, long nights. (sighs) Giddy up. Um, Okay, so Alex, I guess I didn't give you a proper introduction. Um, For those of you that don't know Alex, she is a rancher farmer from down in Missouri. And the way that I kind of stumbled across you, my husband, Dan, actually told me about you. He was working at a bow shop at the time, and he got to go down to ATA, which is an archery trade show. And um, his job for that was to interview a bunch of people from different brands. And he was he was super excited. I remember him. <laughs> yeah. The one with the beard. Yeah. Um, lacrosse? Yeah. Yep. Is that? No, Lancaster. He was at lacrosse. Lacrosse, yeah. Yep. Dan! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he, he was super excited because he got to uh, talk 
to someone from Sitka and he didn't know who he was going to be talking to until that day. And he sent me a message and he's like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited. I get to, I get to interview, interview Alex Templeton. I was like, who the heck is that? He's like, <laughs> he's like, you need to go follow her on Instagram. She's this badass rancher from down in Missouri. Like she, I feel like the two of you would get along so well because she works right alongside her dad. She's a big bow hunter. Like, I just think you guys would enjoy a couple bush lights together. So Dan, thank you for (laughs) introducing. So funny. Oh my gosh. I like, I vividly remember that, but I hadn't put two and two together that that was your husband until literally this moment. Yeah. I was, so he, he's totally going to fangirl when he knows that you remembered. So (laughs) Dan, too funny. (laughs) Dan, that's awesome. It's a small world. Yeah, it really is. (laughs) So I, uh, I creeped through your profile pretty hard when I first, I was like, who is this Alex person? (laughs) And then I saw that you, um, worked alongside your dad and I do the same. Like I'm with my dad all the time. And I think, like one of the first things I saw was like you guys riding around in the truck together. And I was like, okay, I get it. Like we do this all the time. I, I can get down with this. Yeah. So um, why don't you start off by telling us about your experience growing up on the ranch a little bit about your history there and kind of start there. So I was born and raised here in Northwest Missouri. I live about an hour from Kansas city and, uh, for generations, my family has been involved with farming and ranching. I call myself the third generation, but I mean, my grandparents came from the time where everybody was involved with a farming and ranching operation or just had cows or a little row crop farm or something. But I call myself the third generation being my grandpa and then my dad and then me. Uh, So I was born and raised here. My dad has done this his entire life as well. And we run a row crop and cow calf operation. And I was one of four girls and my sisters had the exact same upbringing I have. And while they love and like respect agriculture and they get it, they didn't really want to pursue it like I did. I guess I always just had a knack for it. And my dad and I have always been super, super close. And, you know, some of my earliest and fondest memories have been from, you know, riding horses with him and checking cows with him and riding in the tractor and hunting with him. I mean, he'd take me hunting when I was, you know, tiny before I was old enough to shoot anything. And it's been, I guess the, the best way to describe it is there's never been a point in my life where I don't remember it being this way, you know, this is just, this is what I know. And I'm so, so lucky and blessed that he had built something big enough for me to come back to, you know, I know that's not the case with a lot of family operations and it's a cutthroat and difficult business. So I'm super lucky that my dad, you know, had built something big enough to sustain us both and, you know, build something for his entire family that I could come back to after college. And so I started, I went to the university of Missouri Mizzou in, and I graduated in 2014, I guess. That kind of sounds like a long time ago. Doesn't it? Yeah. I'm this, I guess I'm the same age as you and I'm having my 10 year high school reunion this weekend. It's like, holy cow. (laughs) Yeah. I turned 28 in the beginning of October and that, that doesn't sound right. That's just weird. But so I knew going into going to college that I wanted to come back and try to work 
with my dad. And I didn't know what that was going to look like or anything, but I knew this is what I wanted to do. So I went to college, did that, whatever. We came back and I said, dad, like, this is what I want. And what do I need to do? And he said, well, if we're going to try this, we need to do it now. Not when you're 35 with kids and you go get this other job and then try to come back. So it, I mean, it, I just seamlessly fit right in and, you know, I graduated from Mizzou one day and the next day I was back home working. Was that a hard transition for you? Like I know with me, I, my parents encouraged me to go out and do my own thing because they didn't know for sure if I wanted to come back. Um, but I, I practically had to beg my parents to let me come back home and work. <laughs> and then once I got back home, it was kind of like that power struggle of being on your own for so long and then trying to work with your parents again. How did that transition work for you? Was it pretty smooth? It, yes and no. I, it was smooth in ways. It was smooth in the fact that like, it sounds super cheesy, but like, I just like, this is what I was supposed to be doing. And there was never a question about that. There was never, there's never been a time that I'm like, well, maybe I should hang it up and do something else. You know, that that's just not an option. This is what I'm supposed to do. And I'm not going to quit, you know, so I can't fail if I refuse to quit. And, but it was difficult. I'd say there was a little bit more of, I don't know if learning curve is the right term, but you know, my entire life I'd worked with my dad um, and done all the things I do now, but when I was doing it when I was younger and I was in high school, you know, I was doing it on the weekends or after school or whatever, you know, but now I was doing it like as my job. So, it, you know, there was a little bit of a different transition to where, you know, I had to earn my dad's respect in a new light. And it's, that's probably been the coolest thing, just like reflecting back on that is that while I don't want to say nothing's been given to me because I've been given incredible opportunities by both of my parents. And I don't take that for granted. But at the same time, when I came back from college, it's not that my dad didn't listen to me speak, but when we were working cows and I had an idea of how we should do it, you know, that, that we weren't doing it my way, you know, and if he, if we were going to be doing something, I didn't really, my opinion really wasn't the one that he called and wanted, not because he didn't love me, but it was, you know, I had to earn it a little bit. And now, you know, let's just say he's wanting to buy some cows or we're wanting to sell our calves or whatever. I'm his first call and he asks me, Hey, what do you think? You know, or we're making decisions on how we're going to do something. And it's, and it's decisions that both of us are making. It's not his decision. And he just tells me what to do anymore. You know, he, a lot of the time now calls me and says, Hey, this calf is sick. What, what do I need to do? You know, and that's, that's neat, you know, cause I have a ton of respect for my dad. He is, he, I mean, when you hear about someone being a cowboy or a cattleman, like that's my dad. And I have so much respect for him. So the fact that he has, you know, gained that trust in me is something that I am extremely proud of. And I don't take it lightly. And I don't take it for granted either, because if I started slacking off, it wouldn't be like that. But it's almost like now we have a mutual respect that I want to earn his respect and he wants to earn my respect too. You know, we have a, we have a mutual agreement and we, we for sure get at each other's throats at times, you know, working cattle together definitely brings out the worst, but you know, we can, 
we can work a bunch of pairs together and work sun up to sundown through some really stressful situations and get done and drink a beer together. And that's how it has to be. And that's what we do every day, actually. Yeah, that's that's the best thing. And also the worst thing about working with your family is just going through that intense, those intense times and just wanting to rip each other's eyes out. But then at the end of the day, you're like, okay, that wasn't so bad. I guess I can forgive you and, and just kind of move on from there. So I, I totally get it. Like my relationship with my dad is very similar to that. Um, we both have very short tempers. So it's like a real, it's a real struggle some days and uh, it's a power struggle too. And like same thing, like we have to earn each other's respect and he just has that old, I don't want to call him old, but like that older farmer mentality where it's like, it's my way. And like, I'll listen to your ideas, but I'm never going to agree that it's correct. I'm going to think about it for a couple of days and come back and just kind of reword what you said, but we're going to do it your way. Just oh, coming yeah. from me. <laughs> so yes. I, I totally get that. <laughs> yeah. It's funny you say that because I for sure know that like, if there is something that I like, I'm pretty adamant about, I need to word it to where my dad thinks it's his idea sometimes too. You know, I don't, I don't know if that's just like a man thing or if it's just like the older generation. It might be, but it, it's funny because he, I say that to him all the time that I'm, I say, you're just an old man. You're stuck in your ways. You know, you need, need to listen to me, the new generation. And he's like, to hell with your generation. <laughs> and I'm like, you're right. I you. But he, I find myself now getting stuck in my ways too. Just mm -hmm. like he has his way of doing things and I have my way of doing things. And when he tries to coax me out of that, I'm like, no, this is how we do it. I'm not changing. So yeah. the, the roles have kind of reversed a little bit, but you know, like I said, that's just, that's the way it is. And work, working with anybody, I'm sure you have that. And, you know, I'm, I'm thrilled that my coworker is my dad because we have, we, we work really hard, but we have a ton of fun together. That's awesome. That's so good to hear. I'm, I'm so happy that it's so fun for you. I mean, that makes life so much easier for yeah. everybody. So I hate being asked this question, but I'm going to ask you anyway, <laughs> what, <laughs> like, what is your role? And like, what is it? What does a typical day look like for you? Or like this time of year? Mm. That question sucks, but. Oh. Well, it's, I get it it's a valid question, but it is so hard to answer when you really think about it. So my role, so I guess my, my role, like I, am I supposed to use like some sort of like corporate term? No, it's fine. Cause I guess like if I had, okay, let me think about this. If I had to describe what I do as to like someone who has no idea what I do, I would say I'm some sort of like ranch manager, I guess because I have my own cows and now my own crops, but I'm not the owner of everything that I'm working on. I just take care of it and seem, feel like I do a lot of the work for it. So I would call myself the ranch manager. But that, again, that sounds kind of like a ridiculous term now that I've said it out loud, but pretty much, you know, my dad and I just balance everything and we don't really have like, okay, these are your chores and these are my chores and we don't cross lanes at all. Like, you know, he picks up slack where I, if I get caught up doing something else, you know, he takes over and finishes what I need to do and vice versa. Um, but yeah, pretty much, I guess, just a manager. 
So, I mean, that, that, that makes us sound like we have like a, I don't know, like a official, like operation, like it's fan, like it's, it's hectic to say the least, you know, yes. <laughs> like I, it's crazy around here. So like, but I guess to give a name to it, I would call it the ranch manager. You have your own cows and your own crops. How, that must be such a cool feeling. How, how, how did that come to be? Like, when did you know that you were ready to kind of tackle those things on your own and, and just kind of go with it? I have had my own herd of cows for officially since I graduated from college. So I graduated from college in December of 2014. And then in 2015, I got my first herd of cows and it was 25 red baldy heifer heifers. So cows that have never had a calf, which is if you run cows or know anything about cows, you know that like heifers can be a pain in the rear because it's just a lot to deal with. Um, so that was my entrance into the cattle business. Uh, so since then I've traded in and out of some cows. Like, you know, I, those heifers are a long story, but you know, I had those heifers for a while and then sold them and then bought some older cows. And then now what I have is a group of heifers that I calved out this past winter and yeah, so I have, I, I don't normally say like the amount of cattle we run or anything, but I have about 35 of them myself is like my, my cow herd. And uh, so yeah, I calved out some heifers last year. And then another thing we've kind of done is, you know, if we get a heifer that we're trying to breed and she has a limp or whatever, she goes into my my herd so some of the cows I've gotten are like my dad's like scraps and I'm like put her in there yep. <laughs> I'll take her like that's fine and I mean that's kind of again just kind of that mutual respect thing you know he knows he sees that I'm working my ass for him and I'm taking care of his cows all day every day and yes he for sure helps me take care of mine but you know like I said he's got a limping heifer he's like do you want her and I'm like please give her to me. I will take her. Um, but then the crops this year, I actually just bought my first farm. So I have called myself a farmer like this entire time, but now I actually am one because I have my own field with crops in it. So that's I, awesome. Yeah, not, that has been <clears throat> like the cows are the main thing that I help with and that I deal with in our farming and ranching operation, but buying land has been like the goal for me since, since I came back and I just completed it this year. So that's been something I've been working, working towards since I'm going to say 2014. So six years, wow. later, six years later, I finally did it. So I've got corn planted. Uh, it's, it's getting close. It's not ready to harvest yet or not ready to shell it yet, but it's, it's getting close. So this is buying a farm in 2020 has been a nightmare though. Yeah, but good for you. Congratulations. Thanks. Thanks. I'm, I'm super stoked about it. And you know, it's, that's for sure been a learning curve too, because, you know, I know a lot about the cattle business and the farming business is something that I thought I knew a lot about, but I don't. <laughs> So I'm learning. Do you have any help with you? Like how many, how many employees do you guys have between? Yeah. So on, on the cattle side of things, it's just my dad and I, 
and we do get like random help, like randomly my brother-in-law comes and helps or my boyfriend helps, but like really it's, it's just us, my dad and I. And then on the, the farming side of things, my dad and my uncle farm together. And then my uncle also farms other ground without my dad. So my uncle has his own farming operation and he has guys that work for him and you know, they do, but they can't, is his name. I don't know why I said that. It's not like you guys know who he is. Um, but Kenneth has guys that works for him and they they handle all that. And then my dad helps as well. And then I fill in where I'm needed moving combine heads and, you know, delivering parts to the field, whatever I can do to help out. Have you noticed like any, um, like we get asked this a lot, like being a woman in egg is something to be super proud of, but it also comes with some setbacks, obviously. Um, what is something that you kind of had to overcome? Not that your dad would treat you any differently, but like for me, like running some equipment is way harder for me than it is for like my husband or for anyone else. Like, is there anything like that, that you're just like, man, it sucks being a woman sometimes. Like I wish I could do this so bad, but it's just tough. Yes. So probably the heavy lifting is hard sometimes because you know my dad and I it's just us like we don't there's really not anybody else around us so if something needs to be lifted on the back of the truck or moved or drug around or we're pulling a calf I've found myself in scenarios where I'm pulling a calf by myself and I'm not strong enough to get it pulled out and so so I'm gonna say the lack of muscle is hard sometimes and I like to think I'm I'm not like this beefy, like, you know, <laughs> huge muscular person. I kind of wish I was honestly, but I'm really not. And I like to, I think I'm like averagely strong. I mean, I think I'm, I guess, I don't really know, but I, we get along fine. Obviously we're able to do it, but yeah, I'd say sometimes I, I need to be stronger. I'm pretty, I'm tall. I'm five, eight, so I can reach things. And I'm definitely glad I'm not like a, and like no shade to any woman who is like this because I kind I kind of wish I do I was but for my job I'm glad I'm not like a five foot one you know hundred pound woman because it would be it would be even harder and it's hard for me being five eight you know pounds it's hard for me and so it's oh my god I just said my weight on this. <laughs> I'm losing myself in what we're doing. I, I, you're literally making me feel like we're just having like a conversation. Like I were not, I think it's cause it's on the video. The only podcasts <laughs> I've done are like, like in person. I've done like one or two in person and then just on the phone. I don't know. I literally feel like we're just talking. Oh, good. I mean, I'll edit that out for you, but. Okay. But anyway, yeah, I need to be stronger sometimes is what I wish. Yeah, I, I felt that too. Um, so I hired a trainer to help me get strength back. And like, I built a little home gym in our new house. And like, I've just been going to town and it's helped a lot. Um, has it? it has. Yeah. That's awesome. Because I just went on this spiel about how I want to be stronger, but like, I don't work out. <laughs> so there is a solution to wanting to be stronger, but I haven't taken the steps to get there yet. There is a solution. It's, it kind of sucks, but do what Maybe you got to do, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> if I ever get really serious about wanting to get jacked and be super strong, then 
I'll start that. I mostly just wanted uh, more strength so I could pull my bow back so I could add more weight to my bow, but there you go. That's, that's the true motivation there. Honestly, I saw some of our trail cam pictures. I was like, okay, I should probably do something about this. Yeah. <laughs> um, but let's see, let's, uh, what is probably like, what's your favorite season out there? Do you have like, this is another dumb question, but do you have like a favorite job? Hmm. That's a, that's kind of a good question. So something that I really like about farming and ranching is that there's a ton of stuff going on at any given time. Like we were talking about this before we got started, that there's really not, it doesn't matter what type of farming you do or ranching you do. There's not a time of the year where you're like, well, I'm just not really that busy right now. Right. But something I really like about it is that with every different season, we have a very different job. Mm -hmm. So everything, you know, I'm not doing the same thing. I'm not working in an office doing the same thing all throughout the year. When the season changes, my job changes. So that's something I, I really, really like because right when I get super sick of doing something, the season changes and I don't have to do it anymore. Like right now, uh, we are still baling hay and I hate baling hay. If I never baled hay again for the rest of my life, I'd be just fine with that but I'm getting super sick of it and it's not, <laughs> we're about to be done and it's about to be on to something else. So probably my favorite, my favorite for like my personal reasons is yeah. November because that's when the rut kicks in and that's just, we love that. Like it's like a holiday around here <laughs> and we, and especially my family too, like dad and I are just like stoked beyond belief when, you know, end of October, November gets here but then from a work perspective, I really like it when we start calving. And so January and February, the weather's terrible. It's always muddy. It sucks. But like, I, I just like it. It's you, when you pull into a farm and you're going to check cows, this could either be good or bad, but you don't know what you're going to find. And it just makes me feel super like, productive, I guess, because I go in and I might tag, you know, eight or 10 calves, or I might, you know, do whatever. I don't know. I might have to pull one. One might be backwards, you know, one might just have just had one and I get to watch it have her calf. It's just, it's a super neat time. And even though my dad is like this old hardened rancher who's been around thousands upon thousands head of cattle, like you can't help but like see the smile under his mustache when you see a calf get up and run off for the first time or you know it gets up and it falls over and then it gets up again like he's like all right that's pretty freaking cool so that's pretty cute i like that so do you i i, I know the answer to this question but do you ever get attached to any of your cows yes yes and that is a very popular question that I get in my DMs. And it's kind of a controversial one, I'd say. I really don't get a lot of hate on Instagram, but I, I get people that are just like, well, how, how do you do that to them? How do you eat them? And I'm like, it's the circle of life, people, okay? If it wasn't for people like me, this cow wouldn't exist. So you're welcome, cow, for giving <laughs> life in the first place. And, but yes, I do get attached to them. But I also realize that like I said, that's my job. That's their purpose on this earth. And my purpose on this earth is to take the best care of them that I possibly can and give them all of their needs and 
make them happy. So that's my role. And I like to think we do a good job at that. But I definitely have a few that get special treatment as well. Like my cow, Lily, uh, she was a bottle calf that I raised and I have raised a lot of bottle calves in my life. And it's not really something I enjoy, honestly, bottle feeding a calf sucks. And I'm going to back up a little bit, but I mentioned that right when I graduated from college, I bought 25 heifers and calved them out. Well, all of these heifers were bred is what they told us at the sale, bred to low birth weight bulls. And they start having calves and these calves are massive, which is bad for heifers. You want them to have a little calf because it's their first baby and they don't know what the heck's going on. They're trying to have this big calf. So Lily was too big to be born out of her mother. So I pulled her out and caught her in my arms, which I've done hundreds of times with other cows, but something about it being like my cow, you know, this was the first time like dealing with cattle in my life that like these were mine. And so I was super proud of them. And then Lily's mother rejected her. Oh, so, yeah. And first calf heifers just do that sometimes. Sometimes they have that calf and they're like, that came out of me. I want nothing to do with it. Get it away from me. And that's how she was. And she was absolutely psychotic. So she tried to kill me. She tried to kill my dad, tried to kill Lily. So I was like, we're done. So I just kept Lily and raised her on a bottle. And it came time to when it was time to wean her off the bottle. And I said, you know, I'm, I'm keeping her. This was, she was out of my first herd of cattle. We sold those crazy heifers, and, but I kept Lily. So she's all I've got left from my first. So Lily is really my entrance into the cattle business. And I think that's part of the reason why she's so special to me too, because she really, it sounds so cheesy and people that don't know me that listen to this are going to be like, this woman is a psycho, but <laughs> she's super important to me. And I get, I do get attached to her. So she gets special treatment and any cow that lets me touch them get special treatment as well. They get more feed because I pet them while they eat it. <laughs> but Cute. Yeah. I always love seeing you and Lily on your feet. It's just, it's so cute. And then her little calf that she just had yes, was just the cutest little thing. <laughs> oh my gosh. You know, someone on there too messaged me and said, real cattle people don't name their cows. And I was oh, like, tell them to suck an egg. Like I calm said, down. You got, you got me. We're just fakes. We don't really have all these cows that do this every day. Like, you know, I have a soul and a heart too. Like I like them. So yeah, I'm going to name one. Like who cares? But it was funny. But yeah, when Lily has her calf every year, that is the highlight of my entire year. That's like what I base my year around is when Lily has her baby. And she just had one four days ago. And I was super excited about it. I mean, when that happens, I'm like, dad, I'm not working for the rest of the day. Leave me alone. I just want to hang out with the cow. That's adorable. So like, I, I, I know nothing about cows. Becca, I, she can attest to this. I asked her like one of our first episodes, I was like, what kind of brand of, like, what brand of cow do you have? Like, I don't know what to call them. <laughs> brand. Yeah. So um, I'm going to ask you because it's kind of a tradition now, what brand of cows do you have? <laughs> so the brand of cows that we run are Angus cattle. 
So we run red and black Angus cattle mostly. We run a commercial herd. We don't do registered cattle. Um, but we also, that's like loosely, you know, loosely based red and black Angus is like what our deal is. But uh, like last spring, we bought some cows that were bred to Charlay bulls. So we got some Charlay calves, which are the white calves. That's not typically what we do. We just got a good buy on them. So we bought them and we've calved them out and got along great with them. But the simple answer, red and black Angus is our bread and butter. Perfect. Um, I'm trying to think, Becca, do we, does Wisconsin have like a lot of like beef farms mm-hmm. up here? I don't, I don't even know. We, we do, but not, not like big ones that, you know, there's just, there's not as much pasture ground and stuff for them to roam like hundreds and, you know, thousands hey, of acres. So there's a lot of, uh, thank you. There's a lot of, uh, registered herds, I think, like, I don't know, Wisconsin is home to World Beef Expo, which is actually going on right now, I think. Um, So there's a lot of nice cattle, but definitely not to the numbers of states to the west. Is there anything else on like the farm side of things that we missed or anything else that you kind of want to highlight on? Um, I don't, I don't really think so. I mean, I guess I just want to say that like, I hope it's as obvious as it is to me, like how much I love what I do. You know, that's, that's something that it doesn't matter what other people think. And I don't necessarily care what other people think, but I hope, I hope that people see by getting to follow along with people like me and like you get, people get to see that don't get to see a behind the scenes look of agriculture. I hope they get to look at how much we love what we do. And because I know I love the hell out of it and I could not picture doing anything else. So I, I hope that's as obvious as I want it to be. Yeah. And that's awesome. I think just hearing your story about like you and your family, that's just so awesome. And I think the more that people realize that this is a family operation, I think they can relate to it a little bit more and just appreciate what we're providing even more. Um, So I guess one final thing on on this side of things is what was the big reason that you started sharing your egg story on Instagram? Like I see that you do your egg talks with Alex and that's super cool. What kind of, uh, what, I guess, what made you start doing that? So I started just like, like everybody when I was in college, I, I don't even, I don't know if Instagram was around when we were in high school. I don't know. But when I was in college, I had an Instagram account, just like everybody, every person out there. And I just started sharing random things. And I guess the reason I started actually posting on Instagram was like my break into like the hunting industry, I guess, you know, I was involved when in that a little bit. And then I started posting on there and then really agriculture has kind of taken over on that just because I'm doing that all day, every day. But I decided to start sharing. Well, let me take that back. There really wasn't a moment that I was like, you know what? I'm just going to start sharing on Instagram. Why not? Let's just see what happens. I just started doing it because I really did enjoy And I always have enjoyed connecting with people online because it's such a cool platform because you seriously get to connect with people from all over the world and all over the country about something that I'm so passionate about. And it is mind, 
it's baffling that the amount of people that have no idea what goes on in modern agriculture, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, watching your stories, learning about cranberries. I had no freaking idea anything about cranberries. And now I see your stories and I'm like, Oh, it's almost time for harvest. They better (laughs) get everything ready to go. I'm like invested in it. And it's neat to hear feedback from people. And probably my favorite part is connecting with other producers from around the country. And that's something that I wasn't necessarily anticipating as I've, my Instagram journey has progressed, but I have learned so many things from other ranchers on there. And that's super cool because I put something on there that I, you know, we're weaning calves and someone will be like, Hey, we weaned calves and we did this and it worked great. You might try it. And people are so cool about it, you know, and it's, it's so neat to hear, I guess a good way to sum it up is that we all have different goals. Every beef producer has a different goal. And, you know, we all do similar things, but we all do it differently, but we're all on the same team. You know, that there's that saying that there's more than one way to skin a cat. And, you know, yeah, we're all raising cows, but we all do it differently, but there's room for everybody to do it. And, you know, that's, that's probably my favorite thing about sharing on Instagram is just connecting with like-minded people. And it's funny, even the people that don't necessarily live on a farm or live on a ranch, like they'll message me and say, you know, I grew up spending time with my grandparents on their farm, like seeing your stories brings back so many memories or like my dad, I loved hanging out with my dad, checking cows, like don't take that for granted. And I'm like, oh like tugs at my heartstrings. And yeah. It hits you right in the feels <laughs> yes, I'm enough of that. Like, let's make it positive here. You know, I don't <laughs> want to be sad today, but, and then I just randomly one day posted something about, we were feeding some silage hay. And I said, Hey dad, why are we feeding silage? And I posted that on my story and hashtag ag talk with Alex. And then suddenly people were like more ag talk, more ag talk. And I was like, all right more I talk. Let's get it going. So that's something that I go in waves where I like post about ag talk a lot. And then I kind of like, don't do it for a while because there's really no rhyme or reason to why I do anything on my Instagram. I just wing it. Like I don't have a plan. I don't plan posts. I don't like prepare content. I just wing it. I'm like, well, I feel like I'm feeling posty today. So (laughs) I'm just going to post a lot. And then you I sound a lot like us. Yeah. You fit yeah, in so I, well right now. <laughs> I mean, people seem to like it and I like that people like it because it's just an intricate look at what's going on. And then I hope that when they're at the grocery store, they're like, I know someone that put the beef in this grocery store. I want to buy that and not tofu or whatever the vegans eat through that beef. <laughs> I know your dad is a huge hit on your Instagram. Like we love, we love watching Mark. <laughs> um, do you have any, any good Mark stories that you want to share with the people? Oh my gosh. My dad, like I get snippets of what he's like in real life and post them on my Instagram. But like people, like I'll be random places and people will be like, Hey, tell your dad. I said, hi. And I'm like, what? <laughs> What about me? Like, (laughs) no, all right. You want to hear about my dad? Okay. But he, he is even funnier in real life. And when I tell you he does not turn it off, he, it, it never stops. He's like, he's like that all the time. 
And even when we have really intense moments and we're doing something really intense or dangerous or important, right when we get done, he's cracking a joke. He's like, he can't be stopped. And he is, he's pretty politically incorrect, which is exactly my style of humor as well. Yep. <laughs> There's a lot of things that like happen. I like get a video of it or something and I like can't post it. And those are like the best ones, but <clears throat> I'm trying to think of like one really good story. Um, Have you seen, has he ever shaved his mustache off? Yes. He has shaved his mustache off like three years ago, three or four years ago he did. And it was disturbing to say the least. Did he you notice out, right away? Yeah. He came out and I was like, I don't know who you are, but you are not my father. And I will not refer to you as my dad until you grow that back. He's had a mustache for my entire life. But I mean, the hunting stories that he has, he has <clears throat> done some crazy things. Like, okay, this is a quick one. I wasn't there for it, but he told me the story. My dad used to be a truck driver before like his cattle operation got big enough that that was his first, like his full-time job. He was a truck driver. And he'd haul grain and cattle for people and stuff. Uh, so shout out to the truck drivers because I love you because my dad was one. And he told me the story that he was going to, he had to pick up this load of calves for someone and haul them somewhere. I don't really know the details. They're not really that important. But this guy needed him <clears throat> to work these calves at the sale barn he was picking them up at in the middle of the night before my dad could load them and haul them out. So he shows up to the sale barn and he's got to work these calves and it's like midnight. It's dark outside and he's at the sale barn by himself. And he's like, okay, what the heck am I supposed to do now? So he finds someone that works there to help him <laughs> run these calves through the chute and they want them branded. So the kid that's working at the sale barn goes to help him brand these calves and something happened. My dad was giving him shots or something and the kid was branded them and one of the calves when they're real furry like they have a lot of hair i guess we don't brand around here we don't live in a branding unit but i guess the calf like it like caught on fire somehow so <laughs> they're, they're in this sale barn my dad and this random kid in the sale barn i don't even know where he was at and they catch a calf on fire and the kid opens the gate and lets it out and it's no. like, I don't know if it was literally burning or if it's just hair was just singeing, but it just took off. So my dad was like, there he was in the middle of the night in this sail barn, loading up these calves and almost burned the sail barn down, lighting a calf on fire. And that's, he tells the story so much better than me, but it's, it's hard to keep up with because anytime we're driving around, he's telling stories and the things this man has seen and done are scary and uh, terrible things, terrible, terrible things, but awesome. I mean, just crazy stories about winning drinking contests in college when he was like 19 and just like partying, like shoot, an another story, he went to Mizzou too. That's why I wanted to go to Mizzou and he was in a fraternity at Mizzou and they were shooting bows in his fraternity, like in the yard oh, and boy. they shot one someone shot one or something it like went in the roof of one of the sororities and they like who shot the arrow and they like ran and hid i hope he doesn't listen to this because <laughs> he's gonna be like don't because he's told me some fraternity stories because he was in college in like the 
the 80s, I guess. So, you know, it went down. Like, and he was in a community, so you know he partied hard. And some the stories he tells, though, I wish he needs to be on a podcast where you just give him five or six bush lights and he would just go off because the stories he has about hunting and drinking beer and working cows, it's crazy. And I, I think, okay, when is my life going to get that interesting? You know, because when he was 27, I'm almost 28, he wasn't married or anything. He didn't meet my mom until he was like 29. So when my dad was my age, I don't even want to know what he was doing, honestly. He's, he's so awesome. He's just the best dad. And what you see on my Instagram, like doesn't even begin to cover of how cool of a guy he is. And I mean, when you talk about salt of the earth, just a good dude, like would do anything for anybody to the point where it drives me crazy. I'm like, stop helping people, please. So we can get to work. But he, he would do anything for you. And he's just the best guy. He's freaking hilarious. All right. Well, it sounds like we're going to have to do a part two to this episode and bring your dad on here. He would have, have y'all. <laughs> I love that. So let's change gears a little bit because um, we got this Sitka magazine in the mail today and look who we see right in front of the, ma- in the magazine is little Miss Alex. So how... <laughs> How did you get your start into the archery world and how the heck did you end up in a Sitka magazine like this? Because this is so awesome. I love it. Thanks. So that's something I'm like super proud of. And it's, I don't know how many people that catalog went out to, but I just, before I get started on that, I've got to say that's not me at all. My buddy, Austin Thomas, he lives about 30 minutes from me and he's like one of Sitka Gear's top tier photographers. So that is all, I mean, he makes me look much cooler than I am. <laughs> so I've just got to say that I just, that's him. I've got to give him all the props. His name's Austin Thomas. Shout out. He probably won't listen to this, but he should. And so I got my start in the hunting industry. I hate that term, but what else do you call it? in college and a local girl reached out to me and said that she was starting a TV show. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I need to be on this TV show. So she (laughs) let me be on it. And looking back, it was like a super fun thing. It's it's, I hate to say this, but it's kind of cringeworthy now just because I don't watch TV now. Like I seriously don't, but like, I swear, Back then, it was like the thing to do, you know, like be on a TV show. I thought it was so cool. And it was. It was fun. I met a lot of people, made a lot of connections through it. Um, And then that kind of just fizzled out. And through those, the connections through that, I had met some people from Sitka. And in 2015, a big group of us girls went to Bozeman, Montana with Sitka to help them design the women's whitetail line. So I became a part of the Sitka women's ambassador team is what they call it, I think, in 2015. And my role then was just, you know, helping design whitetail gear. And that's when 
they launched the women's line in 2017, but we started working on it in 2015. So it took a couple of years of back and forth and just trying to make it as perfect as possible. And then I guess fast forward, I got, you know, my buddy Austin Thomas, who's the kick-ass photographer, just makes me look cool. And, you know, but he works with Sitka independently and I work with Sitka independently as well. And it just works out that we live this close together. But yeah, I helped field test and redesign the new women's fanatic system and hunted in it and killed some deer in it. And yeah, here we are. And then I get a catalog and I'm in it and it's kind of, it's weird. I'm not going to lie, but it's cool. Yeah. I love it. Like, honestly, that is, I hate to use this, but it's like goals. Like that is so, (laughs) that is so cool. When, uh, like, like I said, when Dan introduced me to you, I was like, okay, like that is someone that I want to look up to. And like, I don't want to say like model my life after, but like it made me want to be better, like not only in farming, but also in hunting, not, not for like that kind of thing, but just like, I want to be better. Like I want to kind of be like this. I want to take things more seriously like you guys do. And it's, it's kind of changed my life. So I'm so proud of you. Like, that's just so awesome. Seeing someone that I can relate to doing like all these badass things, like you so cool. You know, it's what I'm, I guess is super, what I'm super proud of is like, I don't come from like, I don't want to say I don't come from anything because I come from an incredible family and like my dad would literally give me the world if he had it, you know, and so would my mom and everybody. But, you know, I grew up going to deer camp with my dad and I was the only girl and I grew up opening day of deer season, you know, no one, that was a holiday around here. That's what everybody did. And a lot of the time I was the only girl riding around looking for deer and go and help to help people track deer. And, you know, now I guess I'm super proud of the fact that when I go do things, I'm not the only girl. Mm-hmm. So many other girls and women are doing it. And it's, it's so awesome. Like I have two nieces and they don't get a lot of FaceTime on my Instagram just because I'm weird about that. I don't really ever, people will be like, do you have a mom? And I'm like, yeah, I'm actually like super <laughs> super close with my entire family. I just don't show them because I'm just, I don't know, my dad, no pedophile is going to go after my dad. I don't think, you know, (laughs) so, but I have two nieces and like my younger niece, she's six. She got a bow and she's like, they call me peaches is what they call me. She says, peaches, you have to come watch me shoot my bow. And I'm like, of course I would love to. And like, it really is when you think about the bigger picture of it, like I get that in the mail and I'm like, oh, sick. I'm in a catalog. Like, that's awesome. And then, but when you think about the bigger picture of it, I get messages from people and they're like, my daughter looks up to you, you know? And I, I, my first thought is like, set your sights higher than me. Like, you know, come on. And then they're just, they're so sweet. And like, people are so kind to me on there. And it's, it's, it's something that I'm super proud of to be in a position like that. And while I do make light of it and I have a more humorous personality and sarcastic, it is something that I take super seriously. And I never want to give off the vibe that I'm anything but myself. You know, I know there's a lot of that on social media and, you know, 
filters and Photoshop and changing everything about the way you look. And, you know, when you go hunting, you got to look perfect and you got to be wearing this camo and shoot that bow. And if you don't, it's not good enough. And I hate that, you know, like, yes, I have gear that I use because I honestly like wearing it, but you know, I never want to give off the vibe to anybody that I want to be anything else other than what I am. You know, I'm, I'm proud of the sweat. I'm proud of being dirty. I'm proud of having, you know, dirt under my fingernails at the end of the day. And I want other women and girls to think like that too, because I think now more than ever, the youth of today is under more stress. And I see it in my nieces, you know, on just how they react to things and seeing things. And I see things that I do that my nieces directly copy. And I don't want them to think that they need to change anything about what they're doing. And that sounds super cheesy. And when I was like 23, I probably wouldn't have thought that way. But now that I'm a little older, I really do. And it's, it's a cool, it's a cool position to be in. And, you know, I don't know. Like I said, I don't, I don't have a plan for anything that I post or anything that I do, but I'd say my only thing that I want to keep in mind is being just real, you know, just real. I don't want to, I don't want to look like a fake to anybody because, you know, that's not real. There's ups and downs and I work hard for a living. And if I want anybody to know anything about me, I want them to know that I have my dad's work ethic and that's what's important, not fake eyelashes and fake nails. You know, that's not, that's not important. It might. Okay. I say that I have hair extensions and they are important to me. <laughs> so now I'm a hypocrite. But, I mean, you got to draw the line somewhere. <laughs> okay. You know what? Eyelashes, no hair extensions. Yes. You know what I mean though? Like, I do. <laughs> when it really, I really want people to know that like, you know, whatever you see on social media, don't fall for that shit, you know, don't fall for the fake photo shoots and mm -hmm. the this and that and the everyone's perfect life. Don't fall for that. It's baloney. <laughs> I love, I love that whole rant. I love it. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I'm over here like sticking it to the man. Like, Relax. <laughs> something, something that I always get so upset about is especially when women are trying to like break into, I don't want to say like the man's world, but kind of, especially when it comes to hunting and agriculture, especially like, it's so hard to find women's gear. That's not like pink, purple, or blue. And like, I just want what the guys have, but fitted for me. And like, when you kind of design, like you paved the way for, I think women's hunting gear, like Sika's like men's line was top notch. And so to take that and just make it fit women, I mean, that's, that's huge. And I think that's what I love most about what you guys did is that you're like, you know what? I want what they have. Why do you need to make it different? Like, why does it need to have like pink zippers or something? Like, again, no offense to the ladies out there that like that kind of thing, but that's not what I want. Like, I don't want people to know like, oh, you have to wear pink because you're a female. Like, no, I just want the same quality that you guys do. I just want it to fit me and not be a boxy potato sack when I wear it. Yeah. And I grew up hunting in my dad's hand-me-downs as a little girl hunting in adult men's clothing and, or youth male clothing. And I was cold and I was wet and I was miserable, but that was fine. That was what it, that's what hunting was. And it didn't deter me from doing it. Mm-hmm. 
I'm, I don't want to be like, I wasn't saying to my dad, well, I'm not going because I'll get cold. Like we still went. And that was just, that was what it was. But then when I started getting a little older and I started taking hunting way more seriously, you know, when I was 18, 19 years old, before, before I like broke into the hunting industry side of things, um, you know, I started taking things way more seriously and I started to notice a direct correlation between wearing gear that didn't fit and trying to climb a tree stand in it, which is dangerous, you know, and trying to hike around and turkey hunt in pants that were too long and wouldn't stay up. And it doesn't matter if you hike them in with a belt, you know, they just didn't work. So when I, when I knew, you know, I, I was wearing Sitka before I was a member of their team. You know, I was, I, I bought all my Sitka year and I still have that Sitka that I bought and I'll never sell it. And that was, it was cool. Cause I started wearing the men's gear out of the Sitka gear line. And I was like, okay, even the men's gear kicks serious ass. And then when, you know, they approached me about the women's line and wanting me to stay on as, you know, an ambassador, I was, I couldn't say yes quick enough. And it's a super, it's a super cool position to be in. And when I hear things like what you just said of like paving the way, it's real easy to get, I guess, removed from that a little bit because I just live in this tiny little town <laughs> in Missouri. I don't, you know, I'm not around a lot of other people. And yes, I talk to people on Instagram, but like hearing you say that it like refreshes in my mind that that is cool. You know, it's cool that companies now are creating bows with, you know, different features and shorter draw lengths for women. And it's cool that companies are creating, you know, serious hiking boots for women. And mm -hmm. it's something, you know, if you tell that to a man, no offense to all men, but like <laughs> most of them are like, oh, come on. It's not that bad. Like it's, it's bad. bad, but it is, it's yeah. seriously, it, it, it has honestly been a game changer for me wearing gear that fits and functions for me has been, I directly correlate some of the success I've, I have to wearing the proper gear. And it's, I could not imagine now wearing random pieces of men's gear, you know, no, any, anybody that says that any dude, they couldn't wear women's gear. It would not work for them. But like, that's what, that's what I had to do. You know, it was, it's just neat looking back, like hearing you say that. So like, thank you. Cause that is super kind of you to say. And I really appreciate that. Yeah. Um, so I feel like, I mean, like you said that your dad has some hunting stories, but I feel like you've got a few good ones up your sleeve. Ooh. Do you have like a favorite hunt that just like, you always go back to be like, yeah, that was, that was perfect. Or like if I could relive one experience it would probably be this one. Not to put you on the spot again, but no, kind of. <laughs> I'd love to talk about this kind of stuff. So it's, there's a lot of them, honestly, because like each hunt is so different. And, you know, each time I have success on a hunt, it's so, it's so different. And my emotions are just running rampant and like, it's my adrenaline's pumping and it's so awesome. But I'd have to say my first bull elk with my bow was like the highlight of my life at the time. Like since then it's been killing some nice white tails with my bow, but like at the time that was like it for me. And I was in New Mexico and this would have been in 2000 and 
2018, I guess, it would have been September of 2018. And we caught this bull and he was pushing around a couple cows and he was bugling his head off. And he wouldn't come into our calls though. So we decided we were just gonna, it was getting dark and we were just gonna make a move on him. And we got in this dry riverbed and had to like shimmy down and like jump down off these like, they're like cliffs, but it's not a cliff, cliff like a, a drop, okay. you know, in this dry riverbed. And Austin Thomas, my photographer buddy was with me and I was with a guide as well. And we like ran up to the edge of this and I cannot even explain it good enough, but like peeking over the edge of this dry riverbed and seeing this bull elk push around cows and he had no idea we were there. And I drew back and I was like shaking so bad, but like, it's weird. Like when I get into situations like that, I, I get it. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like I, I was in, I was like in kill mode, you know, I was like, we, me and this elk, like you are about to get it. And I recognize that. So I like drew back and I was so pumped up and released an arrow arrow. And I hit him a little back, but my shot was still good because the kill area on an elk is different than a white tail. They have bigger lungs. And, you know, he kind of ran off a little bit and then stopped. And then I drew back and drilled him again, made a perfect shot the second time. And he trotted down in the dry riverbed and there he laid. And it, it was like, it was the coolest moment ever because I, I think just elk hunting, if you've never elk hunted with your bow during the rut I mean if that doesn't get you jacked up you don't have a pulse because <laughs> I was fired up and like just hearing those bulls scream it is I mean riveting is the word I'm going to use to describe it it was so awesome and that's something I'm super proud of so I got a European mount of that bull he's hanging in my living room and like all the time I'm like God, that was so freaking awesome. I just wish I could relive that over and over and over. And, you know, it's, but like I said, every hunt is so different. And like thinking back on like other, other deer I've killed, you know, I've, I've had a really good streak of killing two great bucks with my bow the last two years, just luck for sure. Not skill, just luck. And like, I don't know when you're sitting there, there's something to be said too about spot and stalking an animal, like an elk or a mule deer, but there's also something for just sitting in a tree stand and waiting for one to walk by, you know, mm -hmm. that you just have to be on all the time. So like what I said, that the kill mode that I felt drawing back on that bull, you've got to be in that mode all the time, deer hunting, because literally at any given second, one could just walk by. And if you're not ready if you're not focused or zoned in like you're screwed and so that's that's probably it though my first elk with my bow and then my dad and I drew elk tags for New Mexico again this year but we're going with a muzzleloader oh fun yes I'm super excited I've never killed anything with a muzzleloader but when we were putting them for tags my dad was like let's just go like you know blow something down <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, you know what? Let's just do that. That's, that sounds awesome. That's like something I get asked a lot. Honestly, I don't, I don't know if you even want to hear this, but people will be like, why do you bow hunt? You know, why? And I'm like, because I get to hunt longer, you know, yeah. the, you know the season is long. 
longer. There's no like bow hunting gets this rap of like, it's this super like earthy, like connected with the nature, you know? And I'm like, no, (laughs) yes, I feel that, but I get to hunt more if I bow hunt. The weapon doesn't define how much I enjoy the hunt, you know? So that, that's just it for me. And if, if that's not it for you, like much respect to you because any type of hunting is awesome, I think. But that's just, you know, when I've told some people that I'm putting in with a muzzleloader, they were like, why would you do that? You bow hunt. And I'm like, well, I hunt, period. I don't care with a rock or with a bow or a muzzleloader. Like I want to go hunt something. And this is, this is going to be a new experience for us. So I'm super stoked. Yeah. Um, have you ever watched The Meat Eater? Like Steven Ronella? Have you ever watched his show? Yeah. His new season just came out on Netflix and Dan and I were watching that. And the last episode that they had was him elk muzzleload hunting, I think out in like Colorado or something. And like, I, I learned a lot. Like I've, I've never done like a big hunt like this before. I'm, I'm just a whitetail gal. Um, but he was saying that when you come up on elk, it smells like a freshly bag of open Fritos chips. I was like, that's weird. What? But he swears like you can smell like the scent of elk and it smells like Fritos. Um, I have never, well, I probably, hopefully, I guess I should say if my dad or I kill one, hopefully I'm like, wow, I smell Fritos, but I'm going to pay attention to that because I might've smelled that and didn't correlate it with Fritos, but maybe, maybe he's right. Yeah. He said that, I mean, like he was yard, like he was like 50, hundred yards away and he could like smell them before he saw them. So like the rut, well, I know that like rutting elk have like a very specific scent. Like it's a strong scent. Yeah. So maybe, maybe that's it. I don't know. (laughs) That's awesome. I thought that was hilarious. Um, so I, I have a terrible hunting story and I feel like I just, I have to tell this every year because it was just that awful. (laughs) So, um, I used to shoot archery. I used to shoot in a league back when I was like six, seven years old. And I have an older brother and he was shooting in the same league as me during this time. And, um, I never really got into bow hunting until I was like 1920. And when I started that, I shot with my brother's old bow from like 1990s whenever that was (laughs) so it was just like this old PSE and it got to the point where it just wouldn't shoot where I wanted it to shoot so like if I'm shooting at just like a normal ring target I would have to aim like way to the outside ring on the left if I wanted to hit dead center like it was that bad (laughs) and like we couldn't figure out how to fix this and I was just too cheap to buy a new bow at the time so I think this was when Dan was working in lacrosse archery So about three, four years ago and like out where we are, we don't have a lot of like traditional trophy bucks that Mm -hmm. like you guys have, like, they're not pretty. We call them swamp bucks. So like something's wrong with their horns 90% of the time. Like they're just ugly to look at, but they get to be like pretty good size. And I had this bow and I had it all figured out like where I needed to aim to like where my arrow was going to end up. So I was sitting out in a tent blind and it was like right around Halloween and I'm sitting there and I'm sitting on like a five gallon bucket because that's just how we roll out here. Like it. 
So I'm sitting there and it's like, it feels like the perfect night. Like, you know, when it's just like perfect weather, it's like, and all of a sudden it just gets like super calm out in the woods and you're like, okay, something's going to go down. Yeah. (laughs) So I'm sitting there and like, I have these two little bucks walk up and I'm like, okay, this is cute. Like, get out of here. I want something bigger. And then all of a sudden, like out of the corner of my left eye, I, I, I swear like the ground started shaking. This huge buck comes like out of nowhere, 15 yards, like to my left. And he's like, just walking. And it's the widest rack I've ever seen. He's like a perfect 10, like this beautiful deer that I have never seen ever in my life. And he's like walking like right next to me, to my left. And I know where he's going. He's going to go around this big oak tree in front of me into my clearing that I have in my shooting lane. And I can only shoot like 15 yards with this bow if I want it to go where I want it to go. (laughs) So I'm very limited. (laughs) So this deer, he gets behind this tree and I pull back. And he comes around and he turns broadside to me, like 15 yards, just this perfect deer. And like you said, I get into this kill mode where like I, my, my adrenaline is through the roof. I'm like, no, I need to kill this deer. I'm never going to get this chance again. And so like, I have to aim at his butt. Like, so his head is facing to the right. I need to aim like at his butt if I want to hit his front shoulder. And I let this arrow fly. And as soon as I let it go, I was like, I got it. Like, this is perfect, perfect shot. And this arrow (laughs) hit the deer square in the shoulder, and the arrow just bounced off. Oh. I have never, I didn't even know that was possible. My jaw, like, when I say it hit the floor. You were just disbelief. I, like, like, I muttered, I was like, what the f- <laughs> and he heard that and he just kind of like looked up and he just kind of flicked his tail and he just trotted off he didn't even like run he wasn't spooked or anything he just he was like nice try little girl yeah he's like was that a mosquito that bit me what the hell <laughs> so he oh. just trotted off and I'm like I'm trying to think positive I'm like well you know maybe he was just so shocked that he got shot and he's just going to run off and die. Like I'm trying to yeah. think what could, how did this work? Yeah. Cause I, again, like how, how does this happen? So I go out and there's a trail camera on the tree that he was standing in front of. <laughs> and there's a picture that I quickly angrily deleted of me just like grabbing my arrow and looking up to the sky and just screaming. <laughs> Cause I realized Nothing happened. (laughs) So I went back to my tent and I packed things up and um, I just threw my stuff in a bucket. And as I'm like walking out of the tent, I look up and that son of a bitch, (laughs) he was back. He's back right behind my tent. And I chucked that bucket at him. I called him every name that I could think of. Get out of here. (laughs) I think I said some names that pirates would probably blush if they heard. Like, I I was just through the ringer that night. I went home, and I just cried. (laughs) I was so mad. Um, I've never seen that deer again, but I think he has some offspring out here now because we see a lot of wide rack, good-sized deer. And every time I see them, it's just like, this painful little reminder. They're like, get out. <laughs> Maybe he'll get another crack at one of his, one of yeah. his offspring then. 
So after that incident, I called Dan up and I was like, I need a new bow. Help me get me. You work here. Get me a new bow. (laughs) The final straw. Yes. Get me a bow from this century, please. So (laughs) we're all set up and we're good to go. So hopefully maybe maybe it's your year. I hope so. I need, we need something good to happen in 2020. Might as well be a good swamp buck. (laughs) No kidding. I'll be rooting for you. Thank you. So we've upgraded a little bit since then, but uh, that was, that was a harsh lesson to learn. (laughs) That's awesome. Well, is there anything else that you kind of like to touch on? I know I've kept you a little bit later than we planned, but. Oh, that's okay. I, I don't think so. I feel like we've talked a lot. Yeah. Covered a lot of ground. Yeah. Like I don't really do, like I've done a couple podcasts, but I don't really like, I don't know. I don't want to say I don't do things like this because I'm like, no, I'm not doing your podcast, but I just don't do it. You know what I mean? Like no, no one I love asks, it. <laughs> no one asks me to be on their podcast. So maybe after they listen to this, they will, or they'll be like, yeah, do not, do not ask her because I for sure like, I don't know. Like I said this a second ago, I'm never want to be anything other than just what I am. And I think too, like I haven't, I mean, COVID has been messed up for everybody or COVID. What did I say? COVID 2020, 2020 has been messed up for everybody because of COVID, but I haven't been like doing things and like going out and going places. So a little human interaction it's nice. It's pretty nice. I'm not going to lie. So I hope you got something good you can use for this. Yeah, for sure. I loved it. And you did great. I loved everything that you had to say. Um, it's so nice, especially get your message out about farming, ranching, what you do, because I think especially with how things have been going, I think people need a refresher and a reminder that we're people too. We care. We care about our jobs way more than you think we do. Absolutely. The fact that there's even that stereotype that Mm -hmm. people in agriculture don't care about their livestock or don't care about the environment, you know, it's just, it's simply just not true. And, you know, I'm, I hope that people are able to see that through following me and following you, that there's more to it than they know. And, you know, I'm always here to, if anyone has any questions, I could sit around and answer farming and ranching questions to people on Instagram all day. And sometimes that's what I do with my time. <laughs> I just answer questions to people on there and I love it. I love every second of it. And I'm, I don't really think of like having a little bit of an Instagram platform is like most of the time I don't really think of it as anything, but I said this earlier, sitting here talking to you about it, it it's a little bit of like a full circle moment where I'm like, it is pretty freaking cool to just Mm -hmm. get on there and just talk to other people that raise cows or talk to people that, you know, raise sheep or whatever it is. It's just (laughs) me. And I learn a lot from people on there and I hope people learn something from me too. Yeah, definitely. So where can people find you on Instagram? So my Instagram handle is Alex Templeton underscore. Perfect. Well, Alex, this has been fun. I learned a lot. And thank you for taking time out and hopping on here with us. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you guys so much for having me.
All right, guys. Well, if you're not following Alex, please go ahead and follow her. She has a lot of good content out there. And if you're not following us um, at Cranberry Chats and at Farming with Hilbies, give us a follow too. And if you haven't already, please rate and review our podcast. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, and now Amazon Music as well. So thank you guys, and we'll see you next week. Thank you.